Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? This is uh, the Thursday after Ash Wednesday. We are in Lent. And um, bless you all for what you have, um, how do I say, planned or purposed to do during Lent in order to please God, in order to uh, be Catholic and to enter in to the 40-day wilderness that our Lord suffered for us in the wilderness. <clears throat> was it voluntary on his part? It was, but he was sent into the desert. When he came up out of the Jordan, having been baptized, which he didn't need to do either, and he was sent by the Holy Spirit um, into the desert, into the wilderness. Uh, it's an awful wilderness with demons and um, dangerous animals and all of that and no food and he did it for us he did it in reparation for israel's sins and um in reparation for our sins uh before he even began his public ministry so he he began his public ministry in the jordan by being baptized by john the baptist and then straight into the wilderness for 40 days of suffering what can we do for Lent? And the thing that I want to say to you is we are all human. We all experience temptation, weakness. Some of us are just strict soldiers and we do everything we purpose. Well, I'm not one of those. I fail a lot. I fail a lot. But I recall that the only true failure is to not get up and try again. So... <clears throat> I have one PhD in life, and it's in not giving up. That's my PhD, not giving up. I've been practiced in it all my life, not giving up. So if I fail, I start again. If I fail again, I start again. If I fail the hundredth time, I start again. That This is what God um, loves. If you have a little child, and they're trying they fail, they fail, they fall, they fall, they fall, and one day they walk. And how pleased are the parents when that child gets up and tries again and just doesn't plop down on the floor and give up and cry. It's, we never, ever give up. Never, 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 never give up. Don't say, well, I missed it. Our pastor last night, speaking about Ash Wednesday, he described the situation where someone had a good intentions and they... Uh, just missed it, didn't do it as perfectly as they wished. So we'll start next year. And he said, no, you don't start next year. Just get up and do it again. God will be pleased. Well, we've missed three days already. I failed 10 times in three days. Then start again. That will please God. We're children, just like your little child, learning to walk, learning to speak, learning to ride a bike. We try again and again and again and again. It's the only way to succeed, to mature, to grow, to please God, and to feel powerful ourselves, knowing what we can do if we don't give up. No one is expected to be perfect from the gate, from the get-go. We try, some are. I don't know what it's like to be perfect. 
um, but we keep trying and we strive for what our aims are and for what God wants us to do. I came across a site, it's the traditional Catholic priest site, that has 12 suggestions, 12 traditional Catholic Lenten practices. 12 traditional Catholic Lenten practices. And if you, this was written by Father Carada in 2015. And if you wish to see it or read it out, uh, print it out perhaps, traditionalcatholicpriest.com. Um, and just type in Lenten practices. And he begins on Ash Wednesday all over the world. Traditional and Novus Ordo Catholics are going to be praying and fasting. It is a powerful day. Of course, this was yesterday. It is a powerful day to ask for God's forgiveness and for the salvation of souls. All of us Catholics need to pray for unity and purity of Catholic dogma. We also want to repent of individual and collective sins that are destroying the mystical body of Christ. And then he gives uh, suggestions of what we can do for Lent. And number one is to do a very humble and sorrowful confession. Take the time, he writes, to go over a very good examination of conscience and write down your sins so as not to forget them. Often we get nervous in the confessional and can forget them, stating how many times and when was the last time you committed the sins. This helps the confessor to give you the right penance and to help you root out these vices. Example, he writes, if you see pornography and self-pleasure yourself every day compared to once having seen a dirty picture a year ago, there is an enormous difference. Never, ever conceal sins because of shame. Especially be sorrowful for sacrilegious sins like having received Holy Communion with a mortal sin on your soul. You see, beloved, God has given us, this is my own little comment here, he loves us. He not only died to give us life, but he lives to give us life. And uh, confession is life-giving. It's life-restoring. And we receive penances not in order to be forgiven, but because we have been forgiven. And God, in his great love, gives us an opportunity to repair those offenses, to make reparation, reparation. And so if you just tell them you've done something once, well, the priest will give you a penance. But if you say to him, Father, I'm afraid it's become a habit, and I do it regularly, once a month, once a week, or three times a day. Tell him, because then he can give you a penance to help heal you, to help restore you, to help make you whole. That's what penances do. So don't lessen your sin to the priest, um, because this way he can give you a proper penance to truly help to heal you. And, and, and we say, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. And the priest cannot help you in that way if you're not fully honest with him. The second thing Father Karate suggested is Holy Mass every day. He suggests, of course, the Latin Mass because he was a Latin Mass traditional priest. <clears throat> he says it takes a lot of discipline to get up early and go to Holy Mass, but the fruits are well worth it. There is no greater prayer than the prayer of Jesus to the Father through the Holy Spirit 
in the Holy Latin Mass in which we participate. And I would personally say to all of you, so many of you grieve because you cannot get into Mass because they don't allow more than 10 people or 25 people, 50 people in a large cathedral or whatever it is, and you can't get in, or you just don't want to receive communion um, in the hand, and so you sit in the parish, you sit in the pew, or you don't go. I would urge you to look for a Latin Mass. Look for a Latin Mass. Novus Auto Mass is, is legitimate, it's valid, but if you're being limited and are not able to receive our Lord reverently on the tongue, uh, again, the church allows to receive. The tongue is the norm. The hand is optional and allowed. So it's your choice. Um, but if you truly want to receive on the tongue and kneeling, um, the church we go to here in Beloit is Novus Ordo. It's absolutely beautiful with a very holy reverend priest and anyone who wishes receives communion on the tongue. So I bless God for that. Um, but if you're not able to search out a Latin mass um, church in your diocese and you will always be able to receive on the tongue um, and kneeling. Number three, pray the Holy Rosary. Meditate prayerfully on the passion of Jesus, especially on the sorrowful mysteries, every day during Lent. It would be even more effective if the whole family prays it together. Set a time to pray when people are home and not too late when everyone wants to fall asleep. Try to put your heart into the words and meditations on the Passion. Dear families, if you have not gotten into the habit or the routine of praying the rosary uh, every night with your family, this is a good time to do it. Will it take sacrifice on the part of some? Absolutely. And this is gives us the opportunity to join him in that sacrifice. So don't be shy of making sacrifices. Number four, read the Bible. Read and meditate on all that led up to the passion and crucifixion of Jesus. Each gospel depicts the passion and crucifixion a little differently. It would be wonderful to make it family reading, to read through the whole, all the four gospels during um, during this Lenten season. You can do that in 40 days, 10 days of gospel. You can do that. And if, if uh, time is short, then just um, read uh, the entire counts of the Passion in each gospel. Uh, number five, pay, pray the stations of the cross slowly, slowly, dear ones, so you can meditate on them. Take yourself back in time to the Holy Land, retracing the steps of Jesus on his way to Calvary. Search for a good traditional pamphlet on the stations and use it. This is usually done on Friday, but it would also be good to do every day of Lent as well. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We will take your calls, your texts, your emails in the second half of the program after the second break. Please feel free to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one 877 5483 or email at mother at the Don't go away. We'll be right back.
Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, the Station of the Cross brings you Mother Miriam Live. Mother Miriam is a Catholic nun on a mission to bring Jesus and a message of hope to a world that has lost its way. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, and I am thrilled to welcome you to Mother Miriam Live. As always, you're going to be able to call, text, or email whatever your questions are. Through a partnership between the Station of the Cross and LifeSite News, you will be able to listen and watch Mother Miriam Live on YouTube and Facebook at the Station of the Cross, including past episodes on podcast. God bless you. Listen on your local Station of the Cross affiliate and our free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Or watch the Mother Miriam Live video stream on Facebook and YouTube by searching The Station of the Cross. That's Mother Miriam Live each weekday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern on The Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family, to Mother Miriam Live. We are talking about 12... Lenten practices, suggestions um, for individuals and families during Lent. It was written in 2015 um, by Father Carrata on the uh, traditionalcatholicpriest.com website, and it's for Novus Ordo, traditional, um, all of that. It makes no difference. It's for Catholics. Um, so let me just let me just retrace our steps. Um, the first suggestion is to do a very humble and sorrowful confession. Secondly, uh, attend Holy Mass every day. Thirdly, pray the Holy Rosary. And again, the best way is with your families and with Papa leading. Number four, read the Bible, especially to meditate on the passion and crucifixion of Jesus and on the events that led up to that day. Number five, pray the Stations of the Cross slowly and meditate on them. And now number six, read a traditional Catholic book. And he makes a suggestion like The Imitation of Christ or The Secret of the Rosary. Any book that will encourage and inspire you to be happier and holier. You know, I tell you, as a general, um, um, I don't know, practice of my life, when I'm looking for a good Catholic book, 
I look for what my heart desires. My heart always desires to be holier and to follow the saints and to find out how to overcome sin or to get strengthened in my faith uh, or my uh, practice of it, all of that. And so uh, if you have a good book that you think is going to help you to grow in Christ and become like him and imitate our mother as well, those are two wonderful books for you. The Imitation of Christ, The Secret of the Rosary. I would also recommend The Confessions of St. Augustine if you've not read them. Number seven, make time for heartfelt prayer. Talk heart to heart with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Talk to God. This is best done in front of the Blessed Sacrament. If for some reason you cannot go to a church, pray at home facing wherever um, the closest tabernacle is in a nearby church, then have faith that God has heard your prayers. If you don't face a tabernacle in a nearby church, God will still hear your prayers, beloved. And what I would do is pray um, uh, in, before a crucifix in your home. Number eight, <clears throat> disconnect from social media and news. Oh boy, that's the challenge of life, huh? Disconnect from social media and news. Fast from Facebook, blogs, and use your and use of your cell phone computer to the oh that's, no excuse me fast from Facebook blogs and use your cell phone computer to the absolute absolute minimum. I want to really, Father says, emphasize this. We need to be connected to God instead, not the internet and not the cell phone. Help your children to not use video games and electronic devices at all. If you haven't already disconnected cable and TV antennas, Lent is the perfect time to do this and for good. There is no good left on TV. Well, um, I would say there is some good on TV, but um, it would be good to have your children uh, develop the habit of being distant from the TV, from the computer, from the phones, from devices. Number nine, stop watching the news. Now, this is also very hard for many. Stop watching the news. Instead, use this time to pray for the world governments. What good does it um, what good does it do us to be depressed over all the evil things going on in the world that we have no control over? What good does it do to be aware of the weather? This time can be much better used to love and communicate with our families and make our home a happier world where they could see the difference. Use time to eat and play together as a family. Take time to communicate with each other and love each other more. We can be up on all that's going on in the world. It's it's uh, depressing. It can be frightening. It's um, nothing that's going to boost our spirits or give us hope. But if we immerse ourselves in God, in his word, in good spiritual books by good authors and publishers, um, then we are immersed in God's world. And the things that are happening in the outside world do not uh, deplete us uh, or steer our hearts away from God. And finally, not finally, but number 10, fast by eating healthy and as a family. Now, how do you like that suggestion? Fast by eating. Fast by eating healthy 
and as a family, make a firm promise to absolutely not buy any fast food. In other words, fast from fast foods. No pizza either, especially pepperoni meat on Friday. Sacrifice time to make delicious, healthy, homemade meals that everyone can enjoy. Stay away from desserts and sodas. Set the table and enjoy each other's company. It's a beautiful thing, dear ones. Uh, Fast from individuality. Make Lent a time to come together as a family, to eat together, to pray together, to love. Number 11, forgive and pray for those who have hurt you. Oh boy, this is not an easy one. Forgive and pray for those who have hurt you. Forgive everything from the past, once, and forever. Holding on to pain from our childhood, our parish, our spouses, does more harm to our spiritual life than you can imagine. It does, does nothing to the people that you are angry or that you want to curse for having hurt you, it destroys you. And we pray to God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for all those who are destroying Catholic doctrine and liturgy too. And finally, number 12, This is also not an easy one. Stop taking the salvation of the world on your shoulders. For some of us, um, it's not easy. Uh, I I would be um, fairly stupid to think that the salvation of the world is on my shoulders. But I live 24-7 with a desire to put my arms around the whole world. I want every soul to be saved. And so does God. That's why he died for us. But Father Karate says, Jesus is the Savior of the world. We are just to help those with whom we have influence. And let us not forget, salvation starts with our own souls and family. I know zealous men who are out saving the world, but they neglect their family. They neglect to lay their life down for their own wives and children. Every time, Father Carrado says, every time you get depressed about the Pope, bishops, priests, religious, and laity, get down on our knees and pray about it. Then give it over to God. Give it over to God, Mary, and the saints to take care of it. We only do whatever we can to do, whatever we can do peacefully. Uh, I read that wrong. We only do whatever we can do. We can to peacefully reform and renew the church. Then we let God do the rest. We are not God. Invite people this Lent to attend Mass, um, maybe even a Latin Mass, traditional retreat or group. Chill out and have more joy. God is still in charge of the church and the world. We are only his humble servants. And after the 40 days of Lent, Hopefully we have spiritually grown and have been renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus brought about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the apostles and the whole church. This is the happy destination being filled up with the Holy Spirit. We are trying to reach after 40 days of traveling through the desert of Lent. It is so wonderful to be 
he says, a traditional Catholic. It's wonderful to be a Catholic. To be a traditional Catholic is not to be uh, some zealous outcast or separatist. No. To be a Catholic is to be traditional. It's the traditional faith. It's 2,000 years old. So, dear ones, um, and you know what we just did? We just posted this entire article on our website, uh, www.motherofisraelshope.org. That is our website, motherofisraelshope.org. Um, and if you uh, want to print this out and read it to your family uh, or just keep it by your bedside and review it and, and to remind yourself this is a wonderful plan for Lent, a wonderful plan for Lent, dear ones. And if you skip a day, if you fail at any point, you have not failed unless you give up. You have never failed unless you give up. The only failure is to stop trying, is to think, forget it. I missed five days now. Just forget it. Just forget it. It won't count. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Every single striving you have for God will count. Every single striving. And if you get discouraged, think of that little two-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, one-year-old who wants to walk. And if they give up, they'll never walk. So they may try 12 times and sit down and cry. That's okay. But they try an hour later to get up or the next day. Because, and if they didn't, as a parent, you'd be frightened that they may never walk. They tried it and they are failing. And will you count them less of a human being or less of a son or a daughter or uh, a coward in any way if they um, fail a hundred times and then don't give up and try? No, 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 no. You are just um, thrilled that they've never given up, that they try. Same thing with riding a bike. Same thing with learning anything new. It's always hard. We're exercising new muscles. Here we're exercising spiritual muscles that we may not have built up till now. We have we want to pray and we have a thousand distractions. Don't let the distract don't say God won't accept me. I've I'm too distracted. I go to sit before him in the blessed sacrament to make a holy hour and the whole time my mind is is you know, I just keep getting distracted with a million things. I told the story once of uh, that uh, of Padre Pio when he was in the church he was at the confessional he was sitting outside the confessional at the moment no one was there and a young man came in and he went to the front of the church and um and he just in before the blessed sacrament and he proceeded to pray and he kept getting distracted he was there i don't know if he was there for an hour or what time but he just kept getting distracted and every time he said no and he took hold of his mind and brought it back to jesus again and then got distracted again and brought it back again when he finished the hour he got up genuflected and started walking out of the church and he felt terribly unspiritual and defeated but padre pio applauded him because he didn't get him up he didn't allow the distractions to defeat him didn't matter that he kept getting distracted what mattered is he kept bringing his heart and mind back to jesus and as far as padre pio was concerned he won the battle that young man so don't worry about failure or neglect we need to build up our spiritual muscles, our spiritual life, deepen our love for God, all of that, um, but never give up. 
never, 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 never give up. Okay, we're, this is the second break we're coming to, dear ones. Call in with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-5483. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a uh, widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTig, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things. Station of the Cross does. So thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started. And I was so excited. I tuned into it and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112. Then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to the Station of the Cross and to Mother Miriam Live, and we have a whole half hour just to ourselves. I just love this time. You know what I did during the break? I went on to lifefunder.com. Danielle uh, did an interview with me, and it was on LifeSite News yesterday. Probably we could find it today. But LifeSite News, I've mentioned before, set up a LifeFunder account for us for uh, to build up to two hundred thousand, the price of our new home. And um, uh, I saw it on LifeSite News yesterday, and I just took a peek for the first time. I go to LifeFunder.com once a day to see how we're doing, and between that interview and today, we went from um, uh, being the, um, how do I say, the uh, the goal being reached from 18% to 22%. I am so, so, so we have 44,000, a little over 44,000 uh, of the 200,000 uh, needed with 34 days to go. And I, I, I went on it just because we had that interview yesterday, and I've been reading some of your comments, comments and on... Um, 
and on the live program, I gave all of you a hug uh, who have contributed to that. I, I'm just so grateful for you. It, and it gives us a sense of being family no matter where we are. And uh, for us, a great blessing that God is, uh, that we're in God's will, that he is pleased with our being in Beloit and getting a home and going forward after a a four-year bit of wilderness. So um, we're just so grateful. And if anybody wishes to go and take a peek, um, it's lifefunder, L-I-F-E-F-U-N-D-E-R dot com forward slash, then the initials of our community, D for David, O-M-M-O-I-H. That's Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, D-O-M-M-O-I-H. Okay, so we're now going to take your calls and the um, toll-free number one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have um, an email from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, "Hello, mother. I need your advice. My husband got a vasectomy after our second daughter was born." nine years ago, and I am only 35 years old. Recently, I have been driven in prayer to research reversals. I can feel the separation between God and I each time I make love to my husband, so much so that I become sorrowful afterwards. Although I do not want more children at this time, I want to be open to the possibility of it. I have been praying consistently for my husband's conversion so that um, so that way he would be convicted by the Holy Spirit in the same way that I have been and we can make the decision together to get a reversal. Do you have any advice on what I can and should do in the meantime? I have already confessed this sin of sterilization multiple times in confession, but I feel like each time we are intimate I am creating a barrier barrier from me fully receiving our Father's love. Well, dear one, what you haven't said here that I'm going to guess is that your husband had the vasectomy through your urging um, because otherwise um, there'd be no reason for you to feel separated from the Father's love or uh, guilty for this. If you urged your husband to have the vasectomy, then I understand that. However, um, when we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us our sins, says uh, um, uh, St. John, and um, uh, restore us to all righteousness. So if you have uh, confessed that sin and are having a vasectomy is a very grave sin. Um, but you have confessed it, and if you've been, if you have confessed it, which you say you have, and you've been forgiven, you don't have to confess it multiple times. You need to believe God, and believe His mercy for sinners, um, and not feel separated from the Father because you've been restored to Him through confession. Now you speak of your husband's conversion. I don't know if he's not Catholic. If he's not Catholic. Well, yes, you must pray for his conversion. If he is Catholic, um, and in any case, the church does not require a reversal. I have understood that 
to have a, a reversal on a vasectomy is an extremely painful operation, um, and it's one the church does not require. So you are not living, continuing to live a sinful life uh, of separation from God if you've confessed that sin. Um, uh, you will not be in better standing uh, if if your husband has a, a reversal because you've been forgiven for it. So um, uh, when you say each time we are intimate, I'm creating a barrier from fully receiving the Father's love, it's not so. If you initially created that barrier by wanting him to have the vasectomy, you've been forgiven and don't live in guilt. Our Lord died for you that you would be able to be forgiven and you have confessed it, you have been forgiven. What if you, let's say your husband committed a great sin against you and he felt it deeply after time and he came and truly apologized, said, honey, I didn't realize at the time how sinful it was, how badly uh, I treated you. I didn't realize that. Would you please forgive me? I know I really can't take it back, but I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And from your heart, you, you see his sincerity, you see his pain, his anguish, and you say, sweetheart, I forgive you with my every breath. There's no bitterness. There's no unforgiveness left. You are forgiven. Um, as if it never happened, except, yes, we deal with the consequences of our choices, but you are forgiven, sweetheart. What if he couldn't accept your forgiveness? What if you walked around depre depressed and, and, you know, every time you did a certain thing, it reminded him that he's still guilty? And you would feel terrible. Why can't he receive my forgiveness? I don't want him to be burdened by this. He asked for forgiveness. I truly forgive him. I want our relationship to be full and free and trusting. But it can't be if he won't believe how much he's forgiven or says he can't forgive himself. You would be burdened by that. Same thing between you and God. If you have forgiven, you have asked for forgiveness, then you have the Father's love. And you are not, uh, there's, there's, you're not creating a barrier. It's been done. It's, it's over with. Um, you're not open to life at this point because of the situation. And again, it can be reversed, but it doesn't have to be reversed. The church does not require it. So I would say if you're praying for your husband's conversion, I don't know if he's Catholic or not, but um, the way to help your husband is to receive God's forgiveness fully and love your husband with your whole heart, mind, and strength as you love God and let him not feel any negative effects whatsoever. Your love for your husband and your trust in God is what will bring him to conversion. We have an email from Brian who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I heard your show today. I respectfully disagree with your stance on the vaccination, and I think you are doing your listeners a disservice. Imagine that someone named Smith is deliberately shot by his enemy outside a hospital. He is rushed inside and dies of his wounds. The doctors check his wallet and find that he is an organ donor. They extract Smith's organs and are able to transplant them immediately, saving lives. It is entirely licit for the patients receiving the organs to accept them. 
Smith was not killed in order to harvest his organs. He was killed by his enemy in a deliberate evil act. But the organ recipients don't participate in that act. They benefited from it, but they did not will it. Same with the vaccine. The fetus whose cells are used to develop the vaccine was killed in an evil act. But the fetus was not killed in order to harvest the cells. That's not true. Therefore, it is okay to use them. I don't see a moral difference between the cases. No, the fetus was killed in order to harvest the cells. There are millions of babies killed in order to harvest the cells, not just for the vaccines, but for women's cosmetics and all kinds of things and other medications. Yes, they are killed in order to harvest the cells. The mother may want an abortion, but the Planned Parenthood, it's been proven, and the abortion industry wants those babies killed. Yes, the mother wants them killed, but Planned Parenthood does the abortions. And again, if, if those cells are not used within five minutes, they're no good. If a heart, if a liver is not taken immediately, sometimes the baby is still alive. You can look up all these things on the Internet in order for them to be viable, in order for them to be harvested. So no, the mother may not will them to be harvested for the vaccine. Um, And the baby is not responsible that it's being murdered. But the people who use the baby cells for vaccines and other purposes do have that do have that um, business, so to speak. Planned Parenthood makes millions of dollars selling aborted fetal cells. Okay, they, they purpose that. It is evil, yes, that they are murdering a child. Again, is the mother responsible for murdering her child? Yes, she is. She's made that decision. Is the abortion doctor Uh, responsible for um, killing that child? Yes, just as in euthanasia. If a a person uh, um, um, wills to end his or her life, is she or he responsible for killing himself for suicide? Yes. Are the doctors who give that elderly person the vaccine that will end the life responsible? Yes. The person desires suicide, and the doctors who do it are committing murder. It's twofold. One is suicide, one is murder. You don't help somebody in suicide. You simply commit murder. Um, The same thing with an abortion. The mother wants to kill her baby, and the doctors do the murder. It's the same thing. They're both guilty of murder. But the fact is that if it's done at a facility, which is... Uh, very often the case, especially with Planned Planned Parenthood, who has made a business out of killing babies and harvesting their organs and their cells. It has to be done right away. And as I say, many are, uh, it's done while the baby's still alive. There's many, all you have to do is look at the website. So yes, if I take that vaccine, I am part of the process of approving that baby's abortion, the product of that abortion, so that I could live. I enter into those evil acts, absolutely. I should not profit by it.
We have a text from somebody who writes it anonymously and says, Hi, Mother, I hope you're doing well. If Jesus was praying to God and he is God, then does that not does that technically mean that he was praying to himself? Oh, absolutely not. Um, the Trinity, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the triune God of Abraham. There is one God who exists in three persons, and the three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are always communing between themselves. And the Father it is that sent the Son to earth to be born of a virgin and die for our sins. And the Son came to show us the Father, even though they are equally God. They are truly three persons. Um, And so when Jesus prays to the Father, he is praying to the first person of the Blessed Trinity. Jesus is the second person. The Holy Spirit is the third person. Um, Very difficult for us finite human beings to understand, but Jesus is truly praying to the Father. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, but each of them are fully God. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations Thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is our final segment for today, and uh, our lines are wide open if you wish to call in with anything at all on your heart. Um, Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from somebody who writes in, Um, No, it's not anonymous. It's from Helen. And Helen writes, Dear Mother, I often listen to you. Please could you advise me on what God would expect of me and also my attitude and heart disposition. I am an Anglican. High church understanding. I am sadly divorced after 32 years of marriage and currently engaged to a very kind man, also Anglican. We met in church three years after my divorce. We have kept company for three years now, engaged two years this May. The situation is that he lives with his mother nowadays after spending many years in England. He is living with her as he is now her carer due to her advancing years and dementia. He wants to care for her in her home for as long as it can be accomplished. Mom is in otherwise is in otherwise reasonable health apart from dementia, and she's 89 years old. I commend him on his loyalty, perseverance, and patience in this role. He does feel that God expects him to care for his mom, honoring her as his mother. It is now uncertain the length of time that he will be in this role. I live in my home. Therefore, we live apart, but only four kilometers away from each other. I try to assist with helping with shopping as he cannot drive any longer due to health issues, cooking some meals for them both. His mother is abusive and hostile very often. Dementia has excavated his person, has excavated, uh, I think you may... Uh, maybe you mean elevated, this personality trait. I'm not welcome in her home. I'm viewed as a threat in taking her son away from her. Thus, this I have not done. I step aside. We were planning on being married in our church last May. He was happy to do so, but I felt it best to wait until he was fully available to our marriage. So we have no set date. When he proposed to myself, he wasn't in a career position, and we both thought we could be together. So, my, so mother, I'm left with disappointment, a marriage that is not yet realized. I feel now that I'm unsure of what my attitude should be, also how to be engaged with no clear future. I am now 60 years. My fiancé is 67. We are both starting to get some health issues such as high blood pressure. My fiancé has survived a bad uh, aneurysm, which has recovered. he's recovered well from, but he cannot drive. We both get physically tired now more often. I do try to give our situation to God, as our Father knows our heart's desires. But sometimes I feel resentful. I am ashamed to admit any advice, please, Mother, and signs at Helen. Indeed, it's a difficult situation, dear Helen. Um, it's very difficult. If, if your fiancé, um, if this gentleman who knows to, he needs to care for his mother, if he can live apart, if the two of you can get married and live in your home, I don't know how far four kilometers is at the moment compared to miles, 
But if you can both live together, maybe in the home you now have following marriage, then he can go over every day and take care of his mom or try to get a part-time caretaker for her or find um, a more suitable living situation or uh, get a situation where you can live and and you have kind of a granny apartment that your mother can live in. So she's separate from you and who would be your wife um, and men doesn't even have to know your mother doesn't even have to know that you two are living in the full house if she has her own apartment that's attached to the house financially I don't know if all this is possible for you but um, I think Helen that um, if it's not clear that the two of you could be together it'd be fine for you to marry and be live with his mother but his mother is hostile to you and that's going to create a very terrible situation so he has to live apart from his mother and you two can get married or you need another situation where he can provide care for his mother Um, at this point um, I would say you should not be engaged because Uh, you're basically waiting for his mother to die. This is not a good thing. And God may have her live another 10 years. Uh, It's not a good thing. So I would say, uh, let the engagement go unless you can work it out. I say, let the engagement go. And if the two of you can handle it, just be friends and determine that you may never get married unless God makes that possible. Make sure you say absolutely pure um, I wouldn't even kiss each other. I would just stay totally pure and resolve to be friends. Um, and the final thing, Helen, that I, I cannot leave this without saying to you is that to be a high Anglican is a good thing because both of you probably never experienced or knew more. But if you know the history of your church, the Anglican church was part of a different reformation where uh, the Anglican Church through the sin of King Henry VIII broke off from the Catholic Church in the 1500s. And the true church that our Lord has established is the Catholic Church. And the sacraments remain valid in the Catholic Church. They do not remain valid in the Anglican Church, no matter the words of the pastor, because he cannot be a valid priest through Anglicanism. And so um, the valid, the sacraments are not valid. Um, If you want to be in the church that Christ established, you need to return to the Catholic Church. And if you do that, you would need to get an annulment from your first husband in order to even be engaged to this man, in order to even date him. So my... My suggestion, dear one, is that your first priority is your relationship with God. And um, now that you're separated from your your husband um, after 32 years of marriage, I would seek to enter the Catholic Church to have all your sins truly forgiven. And until you can get an annulment, live as a single woman, and you can date this Anglican man, Perhaps you will help him to come into the true church as well, um, but you may, you must remain as brother and sister and totally pure. I don't know what else I could advise you on this, dear one, um, um, uh, but th- that would be my suggestion. Your relationship with God is 
more important than your relationship with this gentleman that you're engaged to. Now is the time that you can do some study and come into the Catholic Church. Um, Look at the Coming Home Network International online, and you will see books of Anglicans who have become Catholic, um, and they may help you to understand these things. There is one church, you say it in your liturgy, one holy Catholic and apostolic church that is the Catholic Church, apostolic, that has a succession of bishops from the apostles on, which was the case until a segment of the Catholic Church broke away and became the Church of England, um, which was no longer part of the Catholic Church. So you're actually in schism. It may be the only church you've ever known, but just like me, I was brought into Christianity and evangelical Protestantism, and I tried to save Catholics for 18 years, and now I am one, because it is the church that Christ established. So um, we'll pray for you, dear Helen. God bless you. God bless all of you. There's the music, and um, we will be with you tomorrow. God bless you.